Once Upon a Phrase. I am your host, Lisa. And I'm Jason. So today's episode is a 1920s slang. Um, we decided to go with 1920s slang as our first official episode. I know it's episode two, but our first one where we're discussing content because Lisa and myself are both born and raised in Chicago um, and being diehard Chicagoans, the 1920s and 30s are almost like folklore around here. Um, between the Roaring Twenties and Capone and Mobsters and Prohibition, um, something special about the 1920s. And I think that we're going to learn that today. It's going to come through because we're going to be able to see how a lot of those things from the 20s and 30s are still around today um, in the 2020s. So Jason, have you ever heard of the phrase, close but no cigar? So I definitely hear, have heard of the phrase, I say the phrase, I even know what it means, right? It's close but no cigar. It's you almost got there, right? You were close but no cigar. Um, but I don't um, know the cigar part. Why a cigar? So the phrase started in the 1800s, but it became most popular in the 1920s. Um, you would probably hear this phrase if you were at a carnival. So the common prizes, surprisingly, back then were cigars. This is because a lot of the carnival games back then were geared toward men, and men smoked cigars, so why not? So the phrase would come up when you were close to winning something at a game, but you didn't win. So they would tell you close but no cigar. You know, close but you didn't win the prize. So before we dig too deep into this, I just find it interesting that there was prizes for men because obviously you know the men were the ones playing the games right but why why wouldn't the prizes be for you know back then i imagine it was the the women they were with and you know they were probably taking them out on dates and trying to impress them or uh, nowadays you know you take your kids to a carnival and you try to win stuff for them um but just weird that even the prizes were for men back then but go on i digress i mean many of the games were milk bottle toss or a shooting gallery they were just like manly things women didn't do the shooting women were meant unfortunately back then we didn't have those type of roles so again we did not play those carnival games so another thing i found interesting is so carnivals evolved from the world fair and because the world fair was such a hit traveling carnivals started and one of the things the carnival crowds decided to start doing is, in order to ensure, because everyone knows when you go to a carnival, you will spend lots and lots of money, and you often don't win the prize you wish to win. Now, I'm not saying it's a scam, but it's a scam. Uh, I've got two kids, and I have spent many a dollars in those carnival games. Now, again, I've never worked at a carnival. I don't know the tricks of the trade um, or how winnable. I imagine there's a way to win every game and maybe I'm just not very good at it <laughs> um, but um, it looks like the next thing you're gonna talk about would be me at these carnivals well yeah when they find someone gullible like Jason who's gonna keep spending all that money to try to win themselves their me or their children some gifts what they would do is the carnies would realize this so when they would see someone come to their game and saw that they were just gullible and they were gonna keep giving the money and they can keep taking their money and they they wouldn't leave without getting something, they would put a little chalk mark on their back so that as that Jason would go to the different games, that all the carnies would, ah, oh, he's the one we can get all the money out of. 
And you know how those carnival games work? They say, oh, just three more dollars, three more dollars, and you'll win this prize. And when you have your little, your daughter, your son, or your wife next to you, you know you have to show them you can get them that prize. Yes, I would often be close, but no cigar. Um, <laughs> I would be the mark, which is where that phrase comes from. They would call these gullible men walking around the mark. Um, give them a nice pat on the back um, with uh, chalk on their fingers, so... They were marked as they continued to walk around the carnival. Um, luckily, I've got one kid now that's too cool to go to carnivals with me, and one kid that is just happy with anything, so I can still win prizes um, without spending a ton of money at the moment. Um, so what's our common, what would be our common prize today that they I can th- create a phrase about? I think it's stuffed animals, right? It's uh, like teddy bears, and there's always you know minions and toy stories and stuff like that so should we change the phrase to close but no teddy does that have the same effect can you imagine going around telling people close but no teddy <laughs> <laughs> for some reason it doesn't sound as cool i don't know well i think that's why this was a good first episode to do there's something cool about the 1920s right close but no cigar i i can count on one hand how many people i know that actually smoke cigars but we still say the phrase um you know whether you smoke cigars or not because it's, it's just, it is what it is. It's it's, it's t- iconic, yeah. Yeah, cigars aren't even prizes anymore, but as you mentioned, close but no teddy doesn't have the same ring nope. to it. All right, I'm going to jump in here with the next one. Uh, it's something I think everybody's heard, but doesn't know what it means, nor do they know what it, where it comes from. Um, and it's the 1920s phrase, the cat's pajamas. I've heard that one before. Everybody's heard this before. I ran this idea past my 15-year-old daughter, and I said, have you ever heard of the cat's pajamas? And she immediately went, oh, yeah. And then I asked her what it meant, and she goes, I don't know. (laughs) Again, it's at least in our vocabulary, right? People have heard it. Um, So this we got to kind of break up into two parts, the cat part and the pajama part. Um, But essentially, you know, what the cat's pajamas means is it's the coolest thing out there. It's the best thing right and this has a lot to do with during the jazz age people started to call cool people cats have you heard this before lisa yes i have yeah so i i always thought this was interesting like why cat um just being a guy or a dude um wasn't good enough Uh, if you were just a guy you were a square and if you were a square it means you're not what you're not around yeah so if you're a square, you're not around, right? Uh, and if you're not around, you're not there to experience kind of the cool things that come along with the 1920s and the jazz age. And at this moment in time, nobody wants to be a square. Nobody wants to not be around. So you wanted to be cool. And if you were cool, you were a cat. So, and more about the cat part here. So cats mirror jazz in a lot of ways. Cats are quick just like jazz music is, but it also is relaxed at the same time. Cats, just like jazz, are energetic, but also aloof and distant, and they don't care what other people think around them. Yeah, I, uh, when doing the research for this episode, I found it very interesting. I thought, honestly, the cat was just random. I thought right. they just picked a cat to for an animal, you know, but to find out that it mirrors jazz and it has those similarities... Um, and we are not cat people. Um, if you're a cat person, you probably know this better than we do. Um, 
how they are, like Lisa was mentioning, they're distant, but they're also energetic, you know? Um, and just when you listen to jazz, I think it's got a lot of those same vibes. So you were cool if you listen to jazz. You were a cat. You were a cool cat. So now we come to the, the PJs part, right? We all know what pajamas are. So during the 1920s, they were just coming into fashion. And the ones that were super super fashionable were those super silky ones. Those nice nightgowns or those silky two-piece pajamas you wear, right? Sounds kind of naughty. <laughs> and also private, right? So it, just like jazz, jazz was still secret things you would go listen to, right? Kind of like a naughty private thing. So that's why that phrase, the cat's pajamas, kind of fits together quite well. It was the, the cool thing that the cool guy had. If it was an interesting or something really out there, it was the cat's pajamas. Um, and even if you've never used the phrase, like we mentioned earlier, I'm sure you've heard it. And now you can kind of piece those two things together. The other uh, 1920s phrase that, again, I think a lot of people like to say, but nobody knows what it means is the bee's knees. I didn't know what it meant until we did some research on this because it is mispronounced a lot of the time, shall I say. So, similar to the cat's pajamas, it was popular also during the 1920s to relate things and people to animals. Yeah, I actually uh, didn't know this before digging a little bit deeper for this 1920s um, episode, but it was a Tad Duragon, if I'm saying that wrong. Uh, my apologies. Um, but he's an American cartoonist who just started throwing animal-related phrases out there. Um, and people thought it was random, and it might have been. Again, this is one of those things we talked about in our introduction episode, that there are some alternative suggestions and some different theories about where this one came from. Bee's Knees actually had uh, quite a few origin stories. Um, but I do know that uh, Tad Doragon... Uh, was one of the ones who popularized phrases like cat's pajamas and bee's knees. Um, but, I mean, the first question I gotta ask is, do bees have knees? <laughs> well, yeah, but they're more like the sacks that are used to carry the pollen. But that's definitely not what the phrase means. Yeah, and I imagine they're not actually talking <laughs> about bee's knees here. Um, but yeah, we didn't look that up. Um, yeah, and it's, you know, it has a lot to do, like you mentioned, with the sacks. But more interesting... It has more to do with uh, something that is whimsical that people still do today. Um, I did find out uh, in initially one of the theories was that uh, tradesmen would use this as a joke on their apprentices. They would send them on wild goose chases and joke about, or, you know, as a joke to get them to find things that didn't exist, like a left-handed hammer or more modern today. I don't know if you guys have ever sent somebody into AutoZone uh, to get blinker fluid um, doesn't exist. I know we've, we've sent our 15-year-old daughter into the store to ask about winter air for the tires, and she <laughs> came out really <laughs> upset with us, so we've She's done it too. Extremely upset. So again, one of the suggestions is that the bee's knees was a term used for a wild <laughs> goose chase, um, but, um, you know, as we continue to dig, um, we found two probably more concrete answers to what the bee's knees actually are. Um, and the first one is, it's a variation on the phrase, the be all end all of everything. Um, I know when sometimes dealing, you know, in conversation with people, you say, you know, this is not the be all end all. 
Um, and once you sort of mash up those words, the B and the end, it would be the B's and E's. And just over time, the way we mesh our words together, um, the B's and E's got molded into the B's knees. Um, another thing we found was that it could be just another mesh on the phrase of it's the business, meaning that something is really good or serious. Yeah, like giving them the business or, you know, this is the business. So of those three examples, we couldn't find one any more solid than the next, but I wouldn't doubt that there's a little bit of truth in all of them and they kind of probably all just evolved out of each other. Alright, our last one. Uh, why don't you take this one, Lisa? So the last one is drop a dime. So this phrase originated in the 1920s, and this was used when people wanted to report a crime, report illegal activity, right? So what they would do is, because we didn't have cell phones like we do in our hands now, they had to go to those good old payphones that don't exist anymore, and they had to go ahead and drop a dime into that payphone and then call the police to report that crime. And the best part of those payphones is there was no way to track them, so people felt comfortable um, being honest and reporting those crimes because they weren't going to get caught. Uh, before we go any further on that, uh, I want to stop you. Payphones do still exist. I know specifically there's a gas Do they station. actually work? That I don't know. Okay. But there is still a standing payphone I pass every day on my way to work in front of a gas station. It's got all the pieces and it's got the, you know, the receiver and it's got the cord. So um, I'm not going to get out and test it. Um, you can go drop a dime. I'm not going to go drop a dime in that payphone. Uh, that's what cell phones are for. Um, but so again, if you're listening to this and you thought drop a dime and your head immediately went to sports, that's where I come in because basketball, right? If you're a basketball fan, you hear that all the time, right? Point guards dropping dimes. Um, it kind of actually means the same thing. How we use it in sports today derives from what Lisa told us about how um, snitching was used in the 20s anonymously. Um, and that's when you give an assist. Um, when a basketball player assists another player in scoring, they call it dropping dimes. Well, that's kind of what would happen too. The people calling the uh, police you know, to report a crime, they were assisting. They were helping the police. So when basketball players, you know, dish it to somebody underneath the basket for that slam dunk, they're assisting. That's interesting. Yeah, so we see how the same phrase, which, you know, comes from reporting a crime 100 years ago, is one of the most, I mean, you can't watch a basketball game on TV today without hearing the phrase dime. They're always dropping dimes. Um, I will say this, though, different in football. And again, if you're a sports fan, you probably know what I'm talking about. When a quarterback throws a dime or... A uh, wide receiver turns on a dime. That's different. That that dime is more about accuracy and precision. They're you know making a very accurate pass, usually where there's only a yard of separation between them and the defender, and they you know they put it on a dime. Different phrase, but you know similar uh, similar usage probably. I would imagine people confuse those two. I just think it's quite interesting how a phrase that originated in the 1920s is still being used today a hundred years later in a little bit of a different way but i think it's interesting how words as old as they are they kind of still stand the test of time and are still used today yeah and i think that's one of the you know best parts about starting off with the 1920s 
we say the 1920s like it was a lifetime ago. It's only 100 years. And, I mean, there were people that lived to be 100. So 100 years is, I don't know, saying it out loud feels like a long time, but I don't think it's that long ago. Um, but it's still 100 years. Then. Yeah. So, uh, again, we got, you know, the bee's knees, the cat's pajamas, close but no cigar, and dropping dimes. All phrases where you maybe don't use them every day, but I bet you hear them. You're watching sports. You're, they're in movies. You might hear at a family party, a get-together, you know, with, like, grandparents or aunts and uncles over. Yeah. Um, and, to, like Lisa was saying, just how, how do they stand the test of time? Um, we're, we're excited, actually. Uh, we're trying to um, build each episode thematically. Um, and so, I, in doing the research, there were so many more uh, words and phrases from the 20s. Um, that we had on our list and we really want to deep dive into so at some point this season or next season i imagine there will be a part two yeah there will definitely be a part two to this (laughs) 1920s episode because there was so many cool things just choosing these four was actually pretty difficult um you want to tell them what's coming up on the next episode so on the next episode it looks like we're going to be looking at let's get medieval so that should be quite interesting we're gonna go way back with that but yeah, if you're not familiar with the medieval times, uh, they stretch anywhere from the year 400 to 1400. So we got about a thousand years. Um, now that's a long time. Yes, I agree. <laughs> that is a long time. But we're going to see how those words stand the test of time and see if these are phrases that you still hear today. Oh, the, the actually the ones we have on the docket for the medieval episode, not only are they still used today, um, but they're used, it's very common, uh, some of the phrases you'll see. But... We will see you then. So until next time, thank you for joining us. Thank you. We look forward to sharing more information with you. All right, guys. Enjoy.